Hi and welcome to the Real Girls Club. My name's Lucy and today I'll be interviewing not just one but two different guests, Sarah McCaffrey and Kim White. We talked all about their experience working as therapists on film and TV sets. I hope you enjoy listening to today's episode. Today I'm joined by two guests, Sarah McCaffrey, who is a training and development manager in the film and TV industry, an actor, psychotherapist and a suicide and mental health first trainer and founder of Solas Mind, the go-to mental health company in film, TV and theatre. Our second guest today is Kim White, who is a licensed professional counsellor based in the US with an MS in counselling and psychology and has a certification in clinical mental health counselling. She's worked for over 20 years in military hospitals, outpatient clinics, offices, schools, and most recently, film and TV sets. She recently was the on-call on-set counsellor for the Underground Railroad TV series directed by Barry Jenkins. So thank you both for coming today on the podcast. I'm really excited to speak to you both. Um, I'd like to start with you, Sarah. And after all your years of being an actor, a therapist, also a training and development manager, how did the idea and the creation of Solas Mind come about? Um, hi, Lucy. Yeah, I was only an actor for a very short period of time. Um, and then I worked mainly so in the industry as a researcher, film and TV industry, and then um, as the training manager um, at the Production Guild, which is a membership organisation here in the UK. Um, and then in the meantime, while I was working there, I also trained to be a counsellor psychotherapist um, over three years and a suicide prevention trainer. And when I completed that, I'd set up Solace Mind. And always my goal was to support people in the industry, to support those industry freelancers. Because I was quite lucky in the job I did at the Production Guild to have a lot of friends and colleagues that worked in film and TV um, across all the different grades. And I knew that there was a desperate need there to offer that support to freelancers that's often missing. Um, so that's how it came about. Okay, so as you said, you felt like there was this strong need for it um, in the industry. Um, and I, as I read in the article in the New York Times, uh, they said that COVID really was one of the catalysts for this need. Why do you personally think there is now this sudden need? Why is it a new must have, as they said in the article? And why wasn't it before? Like, what do you think has changed? I, I think there was always a need. I just think uh, there was always a need. I mean, there was the uh, Looking Glass report that came out in 2018 here um, that showed that there was a definite need. There's a mental health crisis in the film and TV industry. I just think uh, nobody had kind of considered it. And then when the BFC, um, the British Film Commission, did their return to work guidelines post-COVID, um, a producer that was helping write them asked me what the mental health support should look like. And I said, there needs to be a line for mental health support. You know, there always is for physical well-being. You know, you have your set medics, health and safety on set. Um, and there needs to be that consideration, you know, where's the mental health support? So there was a recommendation that every production budget should consider what their mental health provision will look like. Um, so I think that was the shift. And I also think, I don't know if Kim will agree, but that shift to online working suddenly opened up, up whole new avenues, making it so much more accessible, especially for crew when they're working those really long hours. Absolutely. Um, yeah, was that the same for you, Kim? Absolutely. But um, when I worked on, um, like you mentioned, Underground, that was before COVID. They started um, filming that before um, 2009, we, 2019, sorry, yes. Yes, so they started filming that beforehand. And I commend them because mental health providers or, or counselors on sets is not a widely 
um, utilized. We're not a widely utilized resource on sets and in productions. So I, I thought it was really great that they did that. Um, and then when COVID happened, um, like Sarah, the, we recognize that there was even more of a need. There's a need, there will always was a need, but now it's more of a recognition that there is a need right. and a willingness to address it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, Kim, it was your first time, if I'm correct, working on a television um, and film set, well, a television set in this case for the Underground Railroad. How did you approach it? And were you briefed before the role by the director, the, the production manager, for example? I had quite a few meetings with the production supervisor and she was awesome. Um, and I had a chance to read over um, some of the scripts. So I kind of knew what was going to happen and what I needed to do. And the thing was to be prepared, to have everything in my mm-hmm. little tool bag, just in terms of um, person's reactions. And, and everyone comes to a, to a set, to a job, with their own personal things that they're carrying mm-hmm. as well. So um, the willingness to address that. Yeah, of course, I was going to say it's not just um, people that are coming to you with maybe problems they're having uh, with their performance or their job, but also maybe there's things going on in the background that you might not see and you can't really talk about on set because you've kind of got to leave that at the door when you come onto a film set. You've got to, you know, adopt this other role, whether that's an actor or director or anything, you know, you're, you're taking on a different role from your personal life. Absolutely. And Sarah mentioned the long hours. A lot of people who are filming or involved in different productions, they're away from their families. Um, COVID made that a lot of, a lot worse in some mm-hmm. cases uh, where people weren't able to freely go back and forth to go home or um, have people come over and visit them wherever they might be um, and whatever they might be working on. So um, yeah, so it, it's, it's been an adventure for, I guess, for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, Sarah, were you going to say something? No, no, I was just saying, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely the, the impact. It's like uh, Kim said, it's the recognition that's changed. It's not that the situation has changed and COVID, you know, it was harder for people to work when people couldn't go home as they wanted if they were away on location and there wasn't that freedom to be able to move back and forth. So it, could, it was really isolating for some people and obviously exacerbated by the fact that we're amidst a pandemic. So um, for you, Sarah, you've basically with, within Solace Mind, you know, you've got a whole range of therapists and you're not just on your own whereas Kim I assume you went were you completely on your own on the film set uh, sorry the tv set for Underground Railroad were you the only person looking after everyone? I was but um I don't want to say I was the only one alone Uh I was the only mental health counselor Uh um but everyone we we I think it was emphasized that we were a group, we were a community, we were a family. And as such, we treated the production that way. And I think that that was so um, awesome. Yeah, you all worked as a team, you know, whether that was the actors helping each other out with difficult scenes and stories that they had to deal with. 
Absolutely. And people might say to me, Kim, would you talk to this person? Or somebody asked me to talk to you, Kim, or, you know, different things like that. Or I might see someone, I might look at their body cues or, or hear the conversation, or they might just come up to me and have a conversation. And that would sometimes lead us to just talking a little bit more or me checking in with them later. Mm-hmm. So maybe at first, some people might be resistant to to sharing they're having struggles and it might take them a while so you've got to be the one that can see it with your own eyes you've got to notice the details the body language that maybe someone's not coping that has happened yeah I think I mean from my but it's slightly I don't know if it's slightly different it's in the UK obviously there's because it's a freelance industry which I'm sure it is in the US as well but actually there's a lot of people don't want to be seen to be struggling because it's all this you're only as good as your last job uh, you know we don't want to somehow you know the, the reference procedure for recruitment here in the UK is not particularly thorough you know it's who knows who who rings who off the record to ask how somebody is and so there's always been this stigma around mental health so people are still which is such a shame but afraid to be seen to be struggling um Mm -hmm. so for us what's interesting is that we do go on sets um as and when needed but not all the time and actually when I've asked with every production we work on we're across about 20 at the moment would you like somebody to be on set all the time there's nobody that said yes and for certain scenes yes but not over across the whole thing because what's interesting about is the remote being totally remote and independent is that we'll have anyone book in from the writers to the lead actors to the director to the runners so Mm -hmm. because nobody knows nobody sees you on set nobody knows who's booking in it's all anonymized so that for me has been what's been really interesting my experience has been a little different i've had some of that as well um but in in a couple of my projects i've been on site um and just like with off-site um that availability is important especially with the remote um, access. But I think that it was so good um, being on set as well because people got to speak to me every day. They got to see me. And sometimes my conversation wouldn't be about any kind of mental health struggle. Sometimes it was building a rapport where people felt like they could come. Like it didn't have to be so bad before Mm -hmm. they talked to someone. Just knowing that you were there. Right, or sometimes even to give resources or or to talk about um, sleep or um, for tips on on meditation or or for Mm -hmm. a a class on meditation. We might just talk about it and I may offer it or they might tell me what they need. So I think that that's a, a huge bonus of having a mental health counselor with all the tools in the tool bag. What are some of your uh, techniques and your toolbox, as you say, um, that you may offer to someone on set, whether that's, as you say, meditation or sleeping techniques, um, what kind of different things, or mostly is it talk therapy? Most of the time it's talk therapy, but when you talk to people, that's when you find out what they actually um, would like, and in some cases, what they need. Like mm-hmm. if it's someone who needs some anxiety strategies, it, it really depends on the role that I'm playing 
in that production or on that set. I might be working as a mediator or as an ombudsman. I might be working as a, as a therapist. So um, with mental health personnel, there's a huge gambit. Uh -huh. yeah. So um, we can address different issues. Like if someone has um, difficulty and with another person, it's conflict resolution and it's all confidential. Uh -huh. So yeah. that kind of helps with the stigma. Yeah, I was going to say, because um, in the article, again, I'll probably reference the article quite a few times, it's where I got most of my research from, but um, uh, it was Lou Platt, who, was, um, who worked on I May Destroy You, she was saying that there is still such a stigma, and she hoped that one day um, she would see a line of people waiting outside, you know, the therapist's office on a set, or a trailer, I guess, um, or something like that on a film set, and there would be no one, you know, saying anything about it, just, you know, normal, just taking care of yourself. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I agree. And I think that, you know, I think that really having somebody go into set, you know, maybe not specifically, I was talking more about the counselling, you know, your standard counselling service being remote works mm -hmm. best for me. But I think, you know, when we do go on to set, it is like Kim said, being that presence. And it's almost like I am here if you need me. And actually, mm -hmm. you know, I can provide a professional ear. And it isn't always about mental health. It's just having that visible presence, I think, really helps with the stigma and getting more people used to that. Mm -hmm, of course. So I read in another article where um, they said that, you know, someone like an editor on a film set would need um, help because they're constantly, they might be constantly watching traumatic or violent scenes over and over again. And because they've got to keep editing it and like, yeah, I didn't even think of this, but of course, why wouldn't they? Like, that makes perfect sense. And there's also other things going on on set. There might be bullying or financial issues or something that might give them, you know, quite a lot of stress. So yeah, there's, there's so many things that just makes me think that of course, why wouldn't there be therapists on set? Because I recently Absolutely. I recently interviewed um, Ito O'Brien, an intimacy coordinator, and she's got a relatively quite a new role in the film industry. And I feel like, you know, hearing that therapists are coming onto the film, uh, films and TV sets and, and intimacy coordinator seems like such a amazing step forward. Like we're really taking care of people more than we were before. But she told me that, you know, there's quite a bit of resistance to her role from certain people. They're not quite sure how to approach it because she does have to take control over certain scenes where a director won't be able to as much. So have you ever had any of that resistance from anyone that's been like, well, now you're taking control or it might interfere with the art? I think as a professional, it is incumbent on us to make sure that yes, we're supporting the individual, but we're also supporting the production, what they, that individual is, is doing. We mm -hmm. want them to be successful. We want them to feel safe. We want um, that if there is something that needs to be spoken about, that we, we do address it. But it's always what respect and it's always what um, support because that's what we're there for. Um, and if we were undermining or coming in the way of the art, then I think that that would, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't support our role. That would be contrary to what we're there to do. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree with that. You know, the idea is to kind of de-escalate situations and not ramp stuff up and 
you know, try, and it is, it's as Kim said, find that support. It's for the whole crew, the whole team, and the directors, the producers, the production companies, so that actually productions are not derailed. You know, the idea is promoting positive mental health and protecting crew so that actually productions run better. You know, we're not losing amazing talents because they're burnt out and they've got nobody to turn mm-hmm. to. The idea is to keep people working and well, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. Because in the long run, it's far more cost effective. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. As, as um, film and TV sets are quite commonly known to be very long days, long hours, um, and you know it's about being as productive as possible. And also, there's a lot of um, money on the line um, as well, like financial constraints. Do you feel like going forward, the film and TV sets really need to be this way anymore? Like, is there a way of having them? As you say, obviously, by having therapists on set, that does make it safer and better. And we're still able to produce, you know, good work, but in a healthy way. But, you know, long hours, is that really is necessary? Is it necessary to push people as much as we might have in the past? No, would be my answer. No, it's not. I'm sure I don't know if Kim will agree. You know, we you know I the support I provide I'm passionate about but actually there needs Mm -hmm. to be a massive cultural shift because the demands are unreasonable and actually I don't you know the counselling can't just be a band-aid solution oh it's all right we can keep pushing people till they're broken because it's all right we've got a counsellor there to mop up the pieces you know that that's not the way any industry runs healthily so you know the idea is there needs to be that big culture shift they don't need to work that amount of hours and that comes right down from the top you know how long stuff is scheduled to shoot for what the budgets look like um mm-hmm. and so that 100 percent, i think you can make films in a much and tv in a much healthier more sustainable way and then yes you can have us there as well but at the moment i do sometimes feel that it's a band-aid service and that's not what i want to be mm-hmm. well I, I can recall seeing people for 15 minutes or someone just wanting to come in and, and just breathe or just come in and vent so they could go and, and do their job. Um, and that's, that's been a couple of different projects because of the demands. And I run into people that just love what they do and they love the industry. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, I, I'm kind of getting that Sarah and I are on the same wavelength. So yeah. if we have to support them for, half an hour, if we get a whole hour before work, after work, in the middle of shoots, um, if however we can do it, we do it. But we all know that there is, that there is um, a limited amount of time that people have. So it's not necessarily, um, the therapy might not necessarily be happening on set. They might, you know, see people outside of working hours, um, and even after, I've also read that people might need the help uh, following filming, you know. Um, yeah, we maybe- carry on. Yeah, definitely. We carry, I mean, our main, uh, we work from six in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, uh, oh, wow. seven. And the majority, the majority of our appointments are early in the morning or late at night after work, because there's not always that space in the day for counselling. You know, as Kim was saying, if you've got five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, we work with what we have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if people want a session outside of working hours, um, that's what we provide. And we continue to provide support after post-production for an additional four weeks. And okay. individuals can carry on, obviously, outside of production. We don't just, you know, cast anyone adrift when the show finishes. It's really important to me, that con- continuity of care. Of course. Yeah, and another part of 
the filming and TV industry that I didn't realize would need that support is also when the actors um, or even directors are out doing promotion and press that can be quite um, intense and they might need the support throughout that as well and what kind of support would they need in that case is it to do with just the repetitiveness of it because they're constantly having to you know give so much energy to other people and quite a lot of strangers as well you know and it's a lot of paparazzi and the fans and all this sort of thing it depends um like i say everyone is an individual so for some people it might be that self-esteem because they may feel like they're under scrutiny and they're having to explain and, and talk about their roles and and ex explore them from a different angle because they're not working on it anymore, but they're just talking about it. Um, and sometimes people aren't ready for press. So sometimes it's a communication, effective communication. So it, it can be anything really. And, and that's the beauty of counseling. Mm -hmm. yeah. And do you both, sorry, Sarah, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, absolutely. And, and sometimes, you know, if we've worked on something where there's a, a particularly traumatic script, you know, the material's been particularly traumatic and then the actor has finished that and then you have to go out and promo it. Obviously, often you're rehashing a lot of those emotions, a lot of those mm -hmm. feelings. That's when support is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. I mean, I go back to thinking about the series I May Destroy You, which Ito O'Brien, who I spoke to in another episode, uh, worked on as well. And a lot of that was real life experience for the, the actress that was in it and also the creator, the director and everything. So she was really almost like going through it twice, um, you know, having to relive everything and think about everything. Um, and, you know, I think that is, shows such bravery, but also, yeah, it must be a very tricky thing to maneuver through. Um, so yeah, having that support there is crucial for sure. What other sort of, um, series are you working on right now do you both work I mean just completely I mean and on film and tv sets or you have you know regular counseling well you, you know just them um, outside of that as well we work across um I mean tv and film productions probably 20 at the moment we also work with production companies so where we support the company and then for everything they're shooting they allocate support out we work mm -hmm. we support in-house teams of some of the smaller production companies and some of the bigger studios um i do also have obviously all my counselors also work in private practice you know they're all passionate mental health professionals which is why they're part of the team so they mm -hmm. also work private practice and work in different um, areas you know I'm a volunteer at rape crisis as are some of my team so we all have you know we're all mental health is our passion and it just happens that you know we're, we're working in the industry is just an avenue but I also want to address yes I I do work in in the mental health field uh, mm -hmm. I think I will always have clients I will always take clients because like Sarah and like her team I am passionate about um, what I do and I bring the skills with me um, on set. And, and I think that that, that is so important yeah. that, mm -hmm. there is, that there is someone or that there are people that can support a variety of situations. I can I remember actually um, when the film came out, uh, Django Unchained, and I remember Leonardo DiCaprio saying that he found it really difficult to play the character that he was playing for that film. Um, so yeah, how do you deal with an, an actor that's having to play someone horrible and they're such a lovely person in real life? 
I, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's probably different now. Back when I worked as an actor, I mean, it, it very much was a job. So you were mm -hmm. an actor. So it was that, you know, differentiation between who you are as a person and the character you had to embody. Mm -hmm. And it was about being mindful. I know that people have different techniques and you know, method actors, but it's about, you know, I think if there's support in place for actors, it's always about thinking about, you know, what's their technique? Because you don't know how an actor is going to manage until you know how they would approach a character. Are they going to embody that character and live that? Or are they able to make the cut when they go home at night? So everybody, you know, just like everybody's unique individual, everybody as an actor has a different style or way they mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. I think I read something that you might have said, Kevin, another article saying that, yeah, you have to create a space between um, themselves and the story or between even you and them, you know, create, well, yeah, boundaries, I guess, um, and create a space that they, they know how to, like, leave the film or the TV set that they're working on at the door when they go home that day. Absolutely. And it's different for different um, performers. It, it just is. Mm -hmm. um, my job is to meet them where they are mm -hmm. and kind of help support them if that's um, if they need those breaks, those those moments of mindfulness during the filming, if they need to wait to the end of the day. However, and then some for some people, it was the need to process. Yes, maybe they disagreed with a character or disagreed with a storyline, but it's being able to process, like Sarah said, this is a job and this is not who I am, me, the person. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. And sometimes uh, I would do a little processing with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So do you both feel like... Um the film and TV industry is really changing for the better. Because personally, from what I'm seeing and all these different roles appear and women working in the film industry, it makes me feel hopeful. Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm totally honest, I think the industry is worse than ever. I think oh, positive okay. in the UK that they've taken on, you know, there is this consideration now of mental health and they're taking people on. I think in terms of actually people on the ground doing the work across productions at the moment, I think the demands are tougher than ever. It's really hard shooting midst a pandemic with all the mm -hmm. COVID and lockdowns and, you know, teams being segregated. So I think that the pressures on crew... Um, especially heads of department at the moment are just almost untenable. And I think, you know, there is a positive that mental health is being considered, but I think we really have to be considering, you know, what else is going on because at the moment, the people I'm working with, you know, they're the broken is the word that comes up all the time. And I right. think that's a tragedy that we're breaking people and we're going to lose amazing talents. I mean, people that have been in the industry 30, 40 years, and we're going to be losing them because the pressure is unsustainable. So that's, I mean, yes, I really, I really appreciate your advice because, of course, I just said I felt hopeful, and it's good to hear other perspectives of people that are really working with the people. Yeah, I don't want to be really negative. Sorry, Kim, I don't want to come across as really negative because I think that the consideration of mental health is really positive. I think it's a definite positive shift, definitely here in the UK, and I think that's brilliant. I just think at the moment the pressures at the moment on crew is really challenging because of filming amidst a pandemic. You know, mm -hmm. but, of course, so that's where we are. Um, I do recognize that that things are difficult. Um, my last project, it was during COVID and it was, you know, there's always that added pressure on what if we stop shooting? Um, and depending on what country, um, I'm not gonna get paid. I'm not gonna be able to feed my family. And I'm not talking about just uh, the actors. I'm talking about anybody involved in the project. And then it's also, okay, are, are we being safe? 
You know, are we a hearing? And how can we support each other? How can we support each other who may have a family member in another country that's sick or that has lost a family member? All of those things come into play and have come into play. So we, we need to be cognizant that there were challenges before and there are challenges now. Mm-hmm. And I totally embrace the changes and that people are creating content um, for for different uh, populations and for, actually for every population. Mm-hmm. But people are making their way in expressing themselves. And that's the positive. Yeah. But how can we help them do this? How can we support them as they do this? As you say, there were challenges before that were different. And I totally acknowledge that the pandemic has you know, thrown a span in the works for so many people um, and especially yeah, in the film and TV industry because people haven't been able to get on set. And now, uh, as they've been saying, it's like they're trying to make up for lost time um, for all the things that haven't been filmed and all the delayed releases of things and delayed press and just everything's been put on the back burner, you know. And, and then, yeah, now everyone's having to sort of like get back to work while we're still dealing mentally with what's happened but we're expected to go back to work. And we know with all these new precautions on set, you know, what with the distancing and the masks and less people and all that. So I can imagine that is not been easy for people at all, but hopefully we'll, we'll see that change um, as the pandemic uh, ends whenever that happens. <laughs> um, yeah. So do you think the another thing, do you think the stigma will ever go away? Um, for this mental health well not just on film sets I just feel like yeah the, the stigma about seeing a therapist or whatever you're doing to deal with your mental health or just even admitting to having problems can see, be seen as a bit of a stigma. In terms of the stigma a lot of times people have that stigma because they just don't know so that's why I speak out and I know Sarah speaks out because we want people to know that you don't have to be in a crisis and your team members don't have to be in a crisis. What if they, what if productions can utilize mental health as a preventive tool, which many do and which we encourage. So there are people that I see for career who, who have trouble dealing with their career. They have um, some self-conscious issues, any, anything. I, I see people who just want to be more healthy, who, who want to incorporate uh, healthy thinking, um, a healthy emotional state, and healthy reactions. Mm-hmm. So it's not only in crisis and not a help with the stigma. As they see more people talking to people like Sarah on a set, people like me on a set, as we have more conversations and they see that we're, we're just people. And, and we're just there. And that even if they're just talking about um, not smoking and cravings or whatever it might be, or having a new baby, having a new marriage, that, that, that stuff is not stigma worthy because that's just life for some people. Yeah. Or even reactions to traumatic um, scripts or perceived trauma or past trauma. That's part of life too. And, and we help adapt to that and we're with them. Yeah. 
Yeah, I love that. I love how you say that so openly and that just, yeah, I think that's the way it should be seen as something completely normal. I just say it's just life. And I think, yeah, why a lot of people do kind of, I don't know if the word's right, shy away from getting help or are too scared to get help. Maybe it's, yeah, there's stigma attached thinking that, yeah, you do have to be at breaking point in order to need it. And I think, yeah, as you say, it's totally not true. It can be a small thing before, because there's no point waiting for it to get to that point, because then you'll need even more help. You might as well start when you feel the little things come up, you know. Yeah, 100%. I was thinking that, you know, like, like, with, your, like with your physical health, you know, you won't wait till you've got ulcerated tonsils before you see the GP, will you? You'll uh-huh. check it when you've got a bit of a sore throat and it's developing. And that's, you know, it's the same with mental health. It's like Kim said, it's preventative. And I think mm-hmm. what they're about being with them, you know, we're just with people wherever they are and however they're managing within the space and the time that we have. And that's, you know, all we can do at the moment until some, you know, other areas change around that. Um, so sort of lastly, I'd like to ask what both of you would give as advice for, first of all, for maybe women out there that might like to become a therapist on set, like both of you? Because it's not maybe the most traditional part of psychology that you would think of. You would think, oh, you're going to work in an office and, you know, um, have clients and do therapy. But I don't think a lot of people would think, you know, they, they could work on a film set as a therapist. So what advice would you give if they wanted to get into that? I think for I think for me it's you have to be a passionate mental health professional and the fact that you work in film is just an area you work in and so for me I'm all about you know the qualifications the training there are no shortcuts which is always what terrifies me that you know we're going to jump on the well-being bandwagon and we're going to take shortcuts there can't be shortcuts because we don't make shortcuts with physical health so you know it, and it takes time I'm not I'm you know I'm sure Kim's got more training than me but you know it's, it was a long journey it was hard around raising a single mum raising kids you know uh, working at the same time it was hard to train but actually you know I, I don't believe in shortcuts and I think if you, you you've committed to doing that training it shows that passion for really supporting mental health um, and then you know whatever avenue you would like to explore to work in film and tv is just one of them. Mm-hmm. So some of my advice would be like Sarah, we're, we're several right here. <laughs> um, it's to find the qualified people. Um, I've, I've met people who, who say they want to do emotional wellness or they want to do this or they want to do that. And I say, well, what are their qualifications? You know, are, do they have any evidence-based practice um, credentials? Do they know what a what um, a panic attack looks like? Because it can happen at any time to anybody. Mm-hmm. Do, do they know? Can they um, point out suicidal ideations? Can they see that when someone is struggling? That's why you do want, and I encourage productions to get and qualify people. Don't just say, oh, this is a mental health person. This person is going to be here to do some breath work or this person is here just to do some visualizations. That's great. And all of that is wonderful. And there's a place for all of it. But if you want a holistic service, find people who are trained and they're out there. There's loads of us. Um, And you were right, Lucy. It's not the typical... um, day in the office Mm -hmm. but the good thing about a lot of mental health professionals 
is that they, a lot of them for their different certifications have worked in different settings. So they have seen different conditions. They may not have seen a film set and been on location, but we can train them for that. And, yeah. and they can adapt to that because their real focus is less on the surroundings and more on the people. Yeah, because I feel like with your background, you know, you, you, um, you said that you've worked in, um, you know, um, military hospitals. I'm assuming you were sort of picked because of that background that you had in order to work on the TV show that you worked on because it dealt with similar subjects and trauma and things that you'd already seen before. So, you know, just because it wasn't, you know, because they were all acting didn't make it any less real. Absolutely. You wouldn't choose a doctor who um, didn't go to medical school. You just wouldn't. Um, so, absolutely. So me having the tools in my tool bag and Sarah um, working with her team of professionals who are highly qualified, I mean, it makes a difference. We're not just coming in and showing up to smile. We're showing up to be there. Um, how the person needs us to be there. And you want a holistic person to do that. Someone with a holistic type training or um, like I said, a full tool bag. This is sort of separate, different advice, but for creatives that are working in the film or TV industry or you know, the arts, music, um, all that kind of thing where there are long hours, where um, there are deadlines and you know, productivity is seen as successful. Um, you know, what's the advice to them? Um, you know, we're running out of time, I guess, so you can make it short. <laughs> but yeah, what's advice to them for, you know, because people might procrastinate and, you know, it might come out in form, sorry, of procrastination or laziness, but it's actually because they, they've got barriers, you know, like anxiety or depression that's making them, you know, not be able to do their best work or not achieve as well as they'd like to. I think for me, it's always about having that awareness, it's that tuning in and tracking, paying attention to how you feel, not switching autopilot on, paying attention, noticing when those little cracks start to appear, the little hairline cracks that are saying, oh, maybe I need to speak to somebody. Even if it's informal support, you know, often, you know, preventative, speak to a friend, a family member, a colleague, say, you know what, I'm not doing okay. And sometimes that's all you need, but it's, you know, as Kim said before, it's that prevention, you know, checking in with you. How do you feel physically? How do you feel mentally? You know, it's that checking. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. I, I encourage self-care. And, and a lot of the times when I'm meeting with people, I'm, I'm asking them about their self-care. I'm asking about their routines and how they fit different things in for themselves. So one of my biggest pieces of advice to anybody and everyone is like Sarah, evaluation, evaluate your self-care. Mm-hmm. And, and talk about it and, and even challenge yourself. How can I take better care of myself? How, what kind of things can I do for me? It's whatever works for you. I always said that, that, that quote, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And it is, you know, it's whatever works for you to make you feel good, make you smile. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Sarah and Kim. I certainly found it very inspiring and it made me feel very hopeful about the new role of therapists on film and television sets. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you in the next one.